Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to the CHGO Sky Podcast. My name is Janice Scurrio. Along with me is my wonderful co-host, Sabria Whitaker. Sabria, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Right. If you would like to follow the CHGO Sky Podcast, which we highly suggest you do, uh, go ahead and uh, pull up Twitter, uh, pull up the Bird app on your phone, type in CHGO underscore Sky podcast not podcast but chgo underscore sky while you're at it go ahead and follow chgo underscore sports uh just mainly because we've got plenty of fun things for you but we'll talk about that in a little bit but uh today the chgo sky podcast is excited to have women's basketball pioneer former chicago sky player and wnba coach chastity melvin to join the show to give you some background, Chastity Melvin was the 11th overall pick in the 1999 draft and played for the Sky from 2007 to 2008. Uh, we're going to have a lively discussion on the sort of training camp, player activism, and uh, media in the locker rooms. Uh, Coach Melvin, how are you today? Thank you for joining us. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm excited. <laughs> All right. Uh, so uh, basically, uh, last week, we're going to do a quick recap of our last ep. Uh, Sabria uh, had a really fantastic three for three predicting all of the picks for the WNBA draft. Sabria, how the are you? The top three picks. Oh, the top three picks. Yes. Top three picks. Uh, but how are you feeling after that? I'm feeling great. Um, I never thought I would say this because I've kind of given them some heat before, but I like where Indiana is going. Um, I like that Shakira gets to go back home uh, with the Mystics. And I really like um, Ryan in Atlanta. So I think this is going to be a really good and interesting season. Wonderful, wonderful. I think it's going to be a really interesting season as well. We also talked a little bit about uh, the odds of draftees uh, getting roster spots uh, in the league. It is uh, slim to none, so there's going to be some tight competition out there. Uh, but yeah, otherwise, uh, the season is here pretty much. So training camps have begun for the league. Uh, so Sabria, what have we seen and what do we know so far from the, the camps that you've seen uh, start so far? 
Um, we know that people have a lot of players. Um, some more than others. The we sky, know, yeah, yeah. We know that. I mean, common sense is going to tell you that once you know a player, a core player comes back, then unfortunately somebody is going to have to get waived. Um, I mean, Atlanta still has some space. I think they probably have the least amount of people on a training camp um, in their training camp so far. Um, but as far as who's in the Chicago training camp, it seems like there's someone coming every day. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, the social media account for this guy was announcing a new training camp signee pretty much every day. But uh, we know a little bit about who uh, is in training camp. We'll talk a little bit about that in a bit. Uh, but as for our guest host, uh, I'll reintroduce her. Uh, so uh, Chastity Melvin is the one of the reigning pioneers in women's sports, WNBA All-Star, ACC legend, North Carolina State University Hall of Famer. Throughout her 14-year professional basketball career, she played 12 seasons in the WNBA. Like I said before, spent two, 2007 and 2008 uh, with Chicago. And uh, like I mentioned before, uh, was the first, first round, 11th overall pick in the 1999 draft. Uh, so uh, Coach Melvin, uh, we talked a little bit just now about uh, roster spots and how uh, it, it's very inevitable that some players are going to be waived. Uh, so uh, given that, uh, do, you, do you see that there's going to be uh, just some really tough competition uh, throughout the entire league? Do some teams probably have a little more? Uh, is, is it going to be difficult on some teams more than others? Uh, what are your general thoughts on that? I think it's uh, like Sabria said earlier, Atlanta actually ha has some roster spots open that um, some rookies will be able to actually make a spot on the team. And then you don't know really about that because trades can happen and they can want some vets. So, but there are actual spots where someone, they will have some um, roster spots that can actually be made. It's, it's competitive every year. Uh, ever since I got drafted, it was super competitive in training camp. And uh, unfortunately, there are only 12 teams. And, you know, for some teams, it's not even 11-man roster. It's only 10. It's, for some teams, it's nine, considering uh, how much they disperse their salaries and, you know, use their salary cap. So it, it can get quite thin. It's a thin line between making the team and not making the team. <laughs> We talked a little bit last week about possible solutions uh, to, uh, yeah, definitely alleviate that. So we talked about roster expansion. Uh, we also just talked about league expansion, too. Uh, but Sabria mentioned last week that there are going to be some things the league needs to address before expansion becomes a thing. Uh, so what, in your opinion, uh, needs to happen uh, before, uh, yeah, uh, the league can even consider expansion? I think, you know, obviously they're looking at the fiscal budget and how much the team, how much money the teams are making. Are the teams making a profit or are some of the teams still in the red? At the end of the day, professional sports is about a business. It's about making a profit. And I think, you know, our president, Kathy, is super concerned with that. And you don't want to find yourself expanding and not profiting. And then, you know, obviously, you know, like the fans that we are and obviously the pioneers of the game, people who dreamed of having a league, you don't want the league to fold just because you're trying to rush into an, uh, a situation to get more teams and not really be ready and available to do that. Well, as someone that, you know, is able to speak from the coach perspective as well as the player perspective, 
what would you tell, I guess, if all of the new draftees and everyone that's announced on a training camp contract, um, if they were all listening right now, what would you tell them? I would tell them to, to compete and to learn from the veterans that are already in the league and decide. I mean, they get an opportunity to just see how competitive it is. When I was in college, and I, every player would tell you this, you, you thought you were the best. Obviously, you, you got all the accolades. You were the best coming out of college. And then when you hit that pro scene, pro scene I mean, for a lot of us, we were just like, oh, OK, I'm not that good. <laughs> You know, it just kind of messes with your confidence a little bit because you've been the best player on your team for a very long time from club, from high school to club team to college. And now you are in a situation where you're with athletes who are just as good and some better than you are. So you really got to compete and you got to learn and you got to learn how to be a pro. So you just, you got to trust the process as a rookie coming into the WNBA. Well, so a little bit of Sky News here. As our training camp uh, began uh, for uh, pretty much the entire league uh, yesterday, just so fresh, April 17th. Well, some started today, actually. Oh, yeah, and today, too, and today. So the Sky do have a new training facility uh, via their social media, uh, the Sox Re Recreation Center in Deerfield. It is where, in fact, champions are made, according to their social media. So it was a former Bulls practice facility in the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, so before uh, they had uh, the Bulls uh, just branding all over the place. The, the black and red is now gone. It is now all sky blue and yellow. Uh, I've seen a couple of pictures of it on Instagram. Uh, it looks incredibly gorgeous. Uh, but yeah, it's really great to see that they have a home of their very own to practice uh but uh yeah uh, your thoughts on the new facility sabria um i think deerfield's kind of far it is yeah um so <laughs> hopefully or maybe one day they'll have an opportunity to you know come closer because i know like last year um a friend of mine who was here on a training camp contract was staying in Deerfield. And that makes sense. You, If you're spending most of your time in Deerfield, it makes sense that that's where you'll stay compared to being around Wintrust. And so when I first met her and I'm like, well, have you done this? Have you been there? And she's like, no, because I'm in Deerfield and I'm not in Chicago. And so... Yeah, I want people to be able to experience Chicago and not Deerfield. Yeah, I'm not even sure if if Metro goes out to Deerfield. I'm. The it does not. It, it does, does not. It does not go does out. Not. Okay, so for for anyone listening, Metro does not go out to Deerfield. Uh, I, for the life of me, no, no offense to any Deerfieldians <laughs> listening to the podcast, but I, I cannot think of anything <laughs> fun to do there. Uh, let's see, Joey's biting his his fist. I'm I, not from Deerfield, but I I am from the town over. Oh, okay. so, but, so you guys can keep trashing Deerfield. That's, that, that's fine. Great. That's actually right. fine with me. Just alienating my producer already. Great. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I think, Sabria, it's, it's really important that especially if you're on a training camp contract and you play for the Chicago Sky, perhaps, yeah, just experiencing the city as much as you can is definitely uh, integral to the whole player experience. Yes. Now, Coach Melvin, uh, what memories do you have of Chicago? Uh, like, what fun things did you do? Uh, play, what did you eat? I always ask about food. Uh, food is a very important uh, thing on this podcast. So uh, what are some of your good Chicago memories that you have? Um, I have great Chicago memories because we were downtown, so we actually got to experience Chicago. So for me and uh, my teammates as well, we really enjoyed it. I was the first one to start uh, riding a bicycle to practice from uh, my apartment. And so I kind of kicked off 
players and coaches riding their bicycles to the game. At first, everyone made a joke of it, like Chaz, you know, playing for the sky. Fans used to see me riding to the gym and be like, Patreon, what are you doing? You know, but uh, I enjoyed it because, I, you know, you got a feel of the city. And I actually learned a lot more about the city once I started riding my bicycle. But my favorite places to eat, um, I'm not, you guys will probably laugh, but I mean, <laughs> obviously I would I would go to Portillo's a lot and I loved Harold's. So those are my two go-to spots. I mean, obviously we winded down and ate at some nice restaurants, but my go-tos were Portillo's and uh, Harold's. You are not the first person to mention Portillo's. No. Uh, Candice Dupree is also a big uh, Portillo's fan. Uh, she was telling us her order, and like I, I won't, I won't be able to forget it. Did you say like it was two chili cheese dogs, a strawberry shake, and an order of fries? Yeah, something yeah. that she probably <laughs> shouldn't have been eating. That was the consensus. <laughs> uh, Coach Melvin, do you remember your Portillo's order? I mean, I would. Mine would vary. I wasn't really into the sausage dogs, whatever. I would get the chicken sandwich. I mean, I would get chicken sandwich and fries. I really enjoy going there and. It's probably worse because I love that chocolate cake. I have not, I have not had a slice of chocolate cake better than the chocolate cake at Portillo's. Just random places, you know. So for me, I always got dessert, which I probably didn't need, but it's all good. Oh, the chocolate cake, the chocolate cake shake is unforgettable. I, I don't think I've had one in years, but it's one of those things where you could have it every five years and like you're good for another five years. It's like renewing your driver's license almost. Yeah. Never had it. Oh, it's, you've never it's, had the chocolate cake shake. It's really good. Yeah, it, it is really good. I, I would highly recommend it, but also to uh, make sure that you uh, clear your schedule out for the rest of the day after you have it. And of, okay. of course, I like the Chicago, you know, deep dish pizza. It was, you know, but there were different places that I tried. So, um. yeah, pizza is pretty yeah, fantastic. Do you have a, a fa favorite place in the city to get pizza or? I didn't have a favorite place. Yeah, neither do I really. Uh, pretty much, I'm, I'm probably going to catch some heat for this, but yeah, most deep dish pizza is pretty much the same. I just want it hot and fresh, so it was decent. I didn't really have a go-to spot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about some of the Sky training camp uh, contracts that were just announced. So we've got uh, Sparkle Taylor, uh, Masani Kaba, uh, Northwestern's very own Lindsay Pulliam, uh, Emmanuel uh, Tahan, uh, Kayla Wells, uh, and uh, we love DePaul around here. So DePaul's Lexi Held was also signed on a training camp contract. All right. So, so far from what we know, uh, so when we talk about um, uh, Tahan, uh, she's a 6'1 forward from France, spent a lot of her collegiate years uh, in Missouri, as well as the Rhode Island Rams. So uh, this past season, she led the Rams to a 22-7 record after posting averages of 13.7 points, 8.9 rebounds, 2.8 assists on 55.3% on the field. Uh, Sabria, uh, what do you know about Emmanuel Tahan and uh, yeah, what chances does she have on getting a roster spot? Um, well, I mean, I pretty much know, you know, what you said. Um, and it was actually some conversation, um, that I read on Twitter that was unfolding like on my way here. So I'll have to pull it up before the end of the show, but someone crunched some numbers, um, and they basically calculated how much money this guy have. And they decided that they couldn't take like Imani and, like someone else that people were really wanting to go. So I have to go find it, but I don't know. I mean, 
I thought, you know, I knew and I had an answer on like who was actually going to make, you know, training camp to the actual roster, but I have no idea. Yeah, a couple of episodes ago, uh, I kind of thought that Imani McGee Stafford really made the most sense, just mainly because, yeah, you've got, uh, we're basically looking to replace uh, Diamond to Shields kind of as that backup uh, forward. Uh, but other than that, at this point, like you mentioned, the numbers kind of really make things difficult to make a decision. Uh, some of a lot of, or some of the other uh, training camp contracts that we already knew about. So there's Kayla Davis, uh, Imani Miki Stafford, which I just mentioned. Uh, Annalie Maley, I think I mentioned uh, on the first show. And I feel really bad because I just butchered her name and mispronounced it horribly. But I'll make it up to Annalie Maley by saying her name correctly. Uh, Kamaya Smalls, as well as Tina Krushnik, uh, just a lot of players here. And I believe I, I might have seen that same th Twitter thread that you saw, Sabria, but it only amounts to being about two spots. And, yes. uh, of course, to uh, just anytime I see dollar signs and dollar amounts, mm -hmm. my brain just spins because it's sort of like I kind of mm -hmm. wish we could take them all. Right. Um, but goodness, uh, Coach Melvin, do you have uh, any uh, scouting reports on any of these uh, any of these players and say which ones do you feel as if uh, or, or which ones do you think have the best chance of making camp? I would say that um, considering they let Dolson go, obviously they bought Emma in. They they probably need a big body. So Imani having played in Athletes Unlimited and staying in shape, I think she would be a viable option there because you do have a, a big, that's a force on every team. Um, as you see, New York brought in the, um, I forget her name right now, but the Chinese center. So there's going to be a big that Chicago is going to have to face throughout the season. Liz Cambridge out in LA and Sylvia Fowles, Minnesota. Um, and so, and so forth, uh, even in Ve out in uh, Vegas, you know, if they decide to keep their bigs as well. So at the end of the day, I think you can't go wrong with keeping Imani on the, uh, on the, on the roster. So you'll have that big body to throw out there and kind of contend with the centers and that uh, backup spot that we were talking about with Diamond DeShields leaving. Um, I like uh, Kayla Davis. I think she could bring a, a, what they need. I think she could, you know, provide somewhat a little bit more because um, she can play on the defensive end uh, as well. Uh, I think that's something that I heard, you know, rumors. You never know. I didn't coach Diamond, but, you know, wanting to have that defensive consistency from a big guard. And also she's a big guard, so you can post her up and uh, do different things with her. But like I said, I, I'm not Kamaya Smalls. I know she played well in Athletes Unlimited as well. And, you know, so there's, there's a lot of scoring down there. So it just depends on what Coach Wade – really needs and what he sees in training camp so they can retool and be in great shape to uh, go back to back. A little bit about Imani. Uh, she's 27. She's returning to Chicago for training camp six years uh, after she was drafted by the sky uh, with a 10th pick in the 2016 WNBA draft. Uh, but yeah, uh, she's six, seven uh, and spent her rookie season with the sky average 6.7 points, 5.6 rebounds per game. And then she was traded to Atlanta in 2017. So uh, I agree. Uh, these past couple episodes, we've talked about uh, how Imani just at surface level definitely seems uh, like the best fit. But uh, yeah, there are so many players. Like we said, um, the roster currently stands at 21 players. So uh, James Wade is going to have until May 5th to finalize the roster at its maximum number of 12 players. Uh, so here's what we know so far. 
Uh, 14 players have reported to camp with two roster spots open. Uh, we do have some later rivals. Uh, so Kalia Copper, Julie Aleman, uh, Rebecca Gardner, and Kayla Davis uh, will report late due to their overseas commitments as EuroLeague is just wrapping up. Uh, so uh, Lee Yuru was signed to a rookie scale contract last week, uh, but she won't be in camp because, uh, like we said in last week's episode, whether or not the Chinese Basketball Federation will per- permit her to play in the WNBA this season is unclear. And uh, also, too, uh, Julie Allemand is not actually joining the team until early June. Um, So we did discuss last week about the oversaturation of talent in the WNBA and arguably everyone here is worthy of a roster spot. Uh, But of course, to what do the sky specifically need right now? Like we mentioned before uh, that backup starting forward uh, spot needs to be uh, filled. And now that diamond is gone, uh, but some other things now, Uh, perhaps a small forward, a backup point guard, uh, what should they prioritize? And so I put down in my notes here, uh, parentheses, is rebounding question mark uh but uh sabria and coach melvin i'll i will uh, open it up to you uh, what do the sky need to prioritize here i mean that's hard to say because we just won so like <laughs> i'm not really sure i mean what they could have done better i guess just someone to lead them i know we see candace parker taking like that leadership role a lot but um, when we were in one of the what the game we actually won, it, it looked like they just gave up at the end. So I'm like, and they went on that losing streak when um Candace Parker was, was out. out. So yeah. they need a another person that can step in and lead them and do the things that Candace mm-hmm. Parker does. I'm not really sure, like a backup Candace, right? But I'm not really sure who that would be. I think maybe uh, Kalia comes to mind as being the next backup Candace. Uh, I I feel as if she's kind of stepped into a leadership role. I know that like the when you when you talk about Candace Parker, though, the bar is certainly high. Uh, But as for someone who uh, perhaps is trying to uh, perhaps uh, earn a spot on the roster, uh, say anyone uh, perhaps replicate any of those leadership skills, you think? I don't know. Coach Mevin, what do you think? You're the coach. <laughs> I coach. I haven't been in the training camp. I haven't I haven't been able to coach that team though. But from just obviously scouting them last season when uh Phoenix lost to them in the finals. Uh I wasn't gonna bring it up. I know. I know. <laughs> I'm gonna bring it up either, but I, I, you know I'm gonna wait for Coach Melvin to bring it up. So yeah, um, <laughs> you know, I'm not gonna run away from you know what happened. It is what it is. Um they played really, really great. But like you said, um, I think just having a backup point guard, I think when they went through the losing streak, we understood, um, and I'm sure across the league, that Sloot was getting a lot of minutes and playing a lot of minutes. And um, at the end of the day, she, you know, she's not getting any younger, um, but she's the, she's the drill sergeant behind that team. She's the person that makes it go. So I would, I would think Coach Wade is trying to find a way to, manage her minutes um, this season where, you know, everyone goes through kind of a slump, but if you don't have backups to kind of provide that rest and that break when you're going through a slump, then it could cause the losing streak to pursue longer. So I think that kind of hurt them. Obviously when Candace went out, I think he'll just, you know, that's why I said, I think Imani's key for them because I think if Candace goes out, then Emma can just play the four. I think he'll just start with that small lineup between Emma and Candace playing together. and But then he doesn't lose anything if Candace goes out or if Emma goes out. 
you know, he'll have that stretch four that he wants. Um, so I, I would I would guess what he's leaning towards with Emma, um, Emma and Candace is to play them together and play kind of a small lineup, um, even throw Azaree sometime at the wing because they love to trap and hedge and the way they play defense, it just works. Um, so if one of them were to go down, I think that's why Imani is important or having a big to just play that center spot to switch it up if they have to play against a bigger lineup. I know uh, when Emma was signed, a lot of the concern was brought around uh, Courtney because at the time, uh, this guy uh, was still in dis- were still in discussion on bringing Courtney Vandersloot back. Uh, but it was then later revealed uh, when Courtney was finally offered a contract that Emma Beesemann was meant to support Courtney Vandersloot on the court rather than replace her, which I thought was great news. So that should definitely alleviate a lot of pressure off off Courtney Vandersloot. Um, let's see. Yes. What else? Janice, so what's uh, Emma's gonna Emma's gonna give a give a different dynamic, uh, Chicago Sky. So I'm excited, I'm kind of excited to see her and Candace Parker play together. Emma does a lot of things that goes unnoticed. Um, um, that I would say that are just she does the tangibles and things that you can't really teach. I mean, obviously she can score the basketball. But as far as putting her in an offensive flow, she does a lot of different things. So to pair her with Sloot and Candace Parker, uh, that's that's kind of scary. And Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> From an external perspective as, as well as an internal perspective, uh, that that's good to hear. That's definitely good to hear. So especially on our first episode, we talked a lot. I think our, our tagline was or the big question of the show was, can the sky run it back? And of course, just obviously we were all like, uh yes. <laughs> yeah. But from an uh from an external objective perspective, um say like do, do you actually see this same sky team with a, a lot of the exits as well as the new acquisitions? Uh th- there is a pretty high chance that this same team can uh, return to the WNBA finals. What are your thoughts on that? I think it I do think it's going to be challenging for them but but at the end of the day, it's the WNBA is about who jails and who comes together during the regular season and has a great regular season record. But then also the regular season record kind of goes out of the door because, as Sabria, you mentioned, Chicago Sky went on that losing streak and then they jailed during the playoffs. So it just depends on which WNBA team really comes together and can sustain that. So, like, if Seattle has a great regular season again, bar any injuries, they're going to be really tough with Sue Berg. Um, so at the end of the day, you have to have a little bit of luck in the WNBA. You have to jail at the right time and you have to have your consistent go to stars that know how to perform and can get you buckets. So at the end of the day, I, I think they have a chance of as anyone else. But obviously they're the champions and that's who people want. That's who people are going to be gunning for. And so they haven't been in that position before. I will say coach in Phoenix. Everyone played a, a different type of way against us because of Diana Taurasi on the team. And so they were used to that. So now at the end of the day, Chicago is going to have to experience that this year as well. So um, it, it will, will bode well to see how they adjust to that being the target. <laughs> so the the keys uh, gelling together got that uh, chemistry, uh, that support Speaking of support, the best way to support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app and use CHGO when you sign up. 
If you do that right now, you'll get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. But that's not it. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. Uh, rumor has it there is a super dope Chicago Sky shirt available from CHGO. That's $2,000 in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free t-shirt from the CHGO locker, all for making more than a $50 first-time deposit at PointsBet. If you have any questions, you can email pointsbet at allchgo.com and we'll help you out. Your home for live in-play betting just got better. Introducing PointsBet's new feature, Live NBA Same Game Parlay. For the first time ever, you can build the perfect live NBA Same Game Parlay only with PointsBet. Combine your favorite bets anytime during during the game. You want more? Of course you do. You can also bo- boost your live same game parlays. Watch live, parlay live, and boost live with PointsBet. And now, online signup is available in Illinois. You can download the PointsBet app right now. Of course, wait for this podcast to be over and register your account from start to finish, all from your fancy little smartphone. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. Gambling problem? Call one 800 522 100. All right. So we're going to go to the next segment of our show. Yes. And from living your best life to living your best life, I clearly live my best life on Twitter um, because I always have something to say about WNBA Twitter. <laughs> so uh, most recently on WNBA Twitter, a doctor of philosophy candidate at Yale took the entire WNBA Twitter community by storm with the news that her dissertation was approved. Congratulations. Congratulations. This was a super interesting dissertation, by the way. Yes. And, you know, we're happy to have Angie join us now to discuss her extremely impressive dissertation titled Leading from the Margins, the WNBA and the Emergence of a New Model of Sports Activism in the United States. Angie, thank you so much for joining us. Um, you know, please introduce introduce yourself to everyone listening and tell them where they can follow you and your work. Yeah, hi guys. Thanks for having me and thanks for the dissertation. Um, I'm a I'm a PhD candidate in political science and stats at Yale. Uh, I'm graduating this semester and I'm going to Stanford to work on immigration policy. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. Um, I can um, at ng dot my last name, which is hard to pronounce. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. And I'm a huge WNBA fan, of course. <laughs> Do you have a favorite favorite team, Angie? It's hard. I like all. I have reasons to like all teams. So I could tell you the the sky has this French connection, right, through James Wade's wife and the Belgian connection now. I guess so. I love the sky, but also I could give you reasons to love all teams. So no. I don't have a favorite team. I have the Connecticut Sun right here. I've been to a few games. So, yeah, I like a lot of teams. That's the one problem with the W. It's hard to hate teams. <laughs> so I know you. Um, we only have like a short time with you. So I just want to go right ahead and get into it um, because, you know, Coach Melvin actually really wanted to have this conversation. I think it's really important when we talk about athletes and activism and just the blueprint that the WNBA has set um, and its players and its teams and just looking at all the other leagues to see who's going to follow suit. Um, Can you tell us, you know, what are the key takeaways um, from your dissertation and just what you think that entire piece of work represents? Yeah, I think there are three things that we're showing that the WNBA did is 
one thing the WNBA has reached political successes. It's widely recognized as the leading league in activism. It's also reached business success for a women's league. It's the most accomplished league, the longest standing league in the US. And those two things only happened when the league fully embraced its activist political side and the identity of its players. And what the dissertation does is really showing that those three things happening at the same time was not a coincidence, that those three things are linked and that it's only because the WNDA and its players fully embrace their identity and their political nature that they've been able to reach those success in the political realm and the business side. And what's really cool to me is it's, I think it's the first league. I don't think we've ever seen a league that has reach that total package of like acknowledging its fully political nature and still succeeding. And what I show in the dissertation is that it's working. We don't know how far it will take the league, but what I show for sure is that one, the arguments and the players are convincing people on issues, they're changing minds with some caveats if you dig into the data, but in general on the issues I test, the policy issues I test, it's working, it changed mind. And while doing this, the second thing I show is that it brings, it has the potential to bring new fans into the league without the risk of losing that many fans. And so that, that combination has never been seen before for many reasons. Society wasn't ready now. Society, or at least enough portions of societies are ready for such a league to, to speak and exist. Um, the second reason is WNBA players, they embody what they speak about. Like if you think of an intersectional league, a league that represents the minorities and the margins of society, I don't think you can find a league that embodies that as well as the WNBA does. So for all those reasons, the NBA has been able to be the first league to position itself as that like new model of activist league. We don't know how far it can go. We don't know how sustainable it is. All the signals are bright and good. And like I definitely show there is room for growth. I don't know how how large the growth can be, but I'm very excited to see how it, how, how far it can in the next few years. So uh, as someone who also covers uh, men's sports, uh, activism mm -hmm. uh, comes few and far between, uh, especially in baseball, which is a very traditionally conservative sport. Uh, so athletes like Jack Flaherty and Tim Anderson come to mind. Uh, so I hear all the time uh, from the men's side that an athlete's com commitment to activism might alienate some fans, uh, which side note, I don't necessarily believe that's true. Uh, so you found in your dis dissertation that activism actually has the potential to bring new like-minded fans while generating few losses. Uh, so why do you think that is? So I think, I think people, I, let's talk, if we stay on the WNBA and then we'll expand, but like for the WNBA, no one can start liking the WNBA without knowing about the positions the players are and who the players are and what they represent. So you're not going to surprise anyone, disappoint anyone by taking a political stand. People know what they're getting into. So you're not going to lose anyone. But, and what I see, like how people are like progressives who have never heard of the WNBA before, they hear about who the players are, the stance they're taking, and they're really into it in very emotional and touching ways. People are really, they're surprised that like athletes are doing this and athletes that like look like and like speak like people who know what they're talking about. Um, so I, I do think there's something unique about the WNBA and their ability to not lose fans and gain fans. For other leagues, I think they, like, I've talked to NBA people about this, and 
I think they've acknowledged they will lose a few people by taking stands, but they will gain more. And that's what the players want to do anyway. So they're going to go there. But like the NBA and other men's leagues, they weren't created as political league, right? It's not like, so they're going to surprise fans, right? Like you're going to have a fan who got into the NBA because the NBA is so cool and great. And then they're surprised and they don't really like the political stance. You don't have that among WNBA fans. It's just not like politics and activism is so central to who the league is and the players are that that won't happen. So the extent to which men's league can do the same, I think they will because that's what the players want. Maybe not in the MLB, but the NBA, for example, that's what the players want. So that will happen. And I do think they'll gain more fans than they'll lose, but they will lose fans. Um, But it's going to happen because that's clearly what the players want. So uh, like you mentioned, uh, business growth in the WNBA uh, relies on converting sports fans uh, whoever who already have uh, progressive beliefs, which makes sense. Uh, so to continue this growth model, uh, and so as a progressive person uh, who recently became an, a WNBA fan, I can personally attest to this. I really resonate with a lot of the messages that WNBA players say. I support a lot of their causes. Um, so at this point, in terms of growth, uh, what else needs to be done? I think keep doubling down on the choice that has been made to acknowledge and embrace that identity. Because if you look at the short story of the WNBA, it wasn't always the case. The first 10 years, the league was reluctant to embrace the identity and the activism. And it didn't work yet. The new fans didn't come in. Uh, It didn't work. So the history has shown that the league cannot afford to not fully push and be with the players on this. And so... Don't stop, like double down on this. I think the WME is doing a great job. I would have more advice for other women's leagues and other leagues that they should go full in. But if you're the WNBA, I don't think there's any trade-off in pushing this as much as possible. And then if you look into my data, different people are more convinced by political arguments. So if you if you want to tell your arguments, some people will be more convinced by when they hear about the political accomplishments of the league. Others will be more convinced when they hear about how cool the basketball is or how successful the league has been. So if you want to really tailor your message to different type of people, you could, but you don't lose anyone by like pushing the political agenda. So you could gain more by telling your message, but you, you don't, you're not taking any risk by doubling down on, on politics. And they're doing this, like the, 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 the sponsors they sign, uh, the, the the change makers, the, the new sponsors they announced last year, the 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 fundraising they do, it's all like they. I think the league and Kathy Engelbert really understand that like there is no trade off in pushing politics as at, at the core of the growth model for the league, which is really cool. And uh, again, the only league that's doing that's already there. Um, so the WWE will show the way for other leagues. I really hope it works because other leagues are watching for sure and. If it works, which I really think it will, and all signs are show that it should, but like if it if it works, other leagues will for sure follow through. Coach Melvin, as a player who, you know, has the perspective that none of us do, do you have anything that you know you want to address or any questions? Yeah, Angie, I, I obviously congratulations. My sister's working on her PhD right now, so um Nice. Across to you, that's I know how challenging that was and is <laughs> uh, from dealing with her and um, listening to her. But so, uh, was the dissertation was it just based on like I see what you're saying, like activism, or was it also like I I think you said something like um, if 
if the players are allowed to talk about their identities. Now, were you talking about their identities as far as the gender-based issues or just their identities as far as what they were representing politically? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, when I, so it's, it's their identities as margin, uh, people at the margins of society knowing what other people at the margins of society go through. So when I use, and I, I use primes in, in scientific, it, it's just basically when I tell people, I don't just sell them into WME player. I, I add a sentence about as a gay black WME player, I know what it is to live at the margins of society. And so that's why I'm in favor of or against the transgender bills in states banning kids from playing sports. Um, so that's the type of idea, like that's how I prime people to think about people at the margins of society. Something I didn't do is try to separate gender from race, from sexuality, because I, from my reading of what the players want to do is I'm not in favor of equal pay for women as a woman. I'm in favor of equal pay for women as someone who lives on the margins of society. And so I want to fight for every other marginalized people. So I kind of use one identity trait and that I vary, but more as an entry into fighting for everybody who is marginalized on those policies, more than testing being black on voting rights, being non-binary on transgender bills. So I don't like, I really use a more a broader like I fight for people at the at the at the margins of society and what I what I something I do see a lot in because I I so I, I use a lot of surveys but I have like open entry questions and answers that people can just tell me about what they thought and the power of representation I mean we all know it, how important that is but I've been very surprised by people who knew about the WNBA how grateful they are for just being represented by players and people who never heard about the WBA. My survey was the first time they heard about it, how, how grateful they are that like some people hated sports and they tell me now I'm going to get into sports. So the power of representation, which is nothing new, but like really, really surprised me by like how strong it was for people. Well, that's, that brings me to my next question. That's what I'm trying to get to. It's kind of like, so you didn't, really you know do it single like gender sex yeah. or race you kind of put it all together um, but at the end of the day like like you said people are filling out the surveys but they really aren't watching the WNBA so my biggest thing is what I was trying to I, I read through your thread um, and I got a lot of great information out of it but I wanted something to back up like what some of the former players and the pioneers of the game like when we weren't I won't say political activists but where it was just about basketball like I felt like, and obviously I haven't done a dissertation or I haven't had taken surveys, but I've heard a lot of fans that we've lost, like you said. So you did make a point that we are losing some fans that just wanted to be about basketball. And then when you bring in all these other um, different type of identities, I just feel like we haven't gotten those progressive fans yet. And I know you made a huge point, like we can get them, but it's kind of like, yeah, are they excited about what we're doing for their causes and their agendas? But are they really becoming fans? And and those progressives that have the businesses and the money to really support, are they lending over those dollars? And I I don't see that. But like I said, that's why I wanted, I was happy that you could join the show because I wanted to see if you found anything that related to that because 
although I can't really, I don't have a dissertation or the stats to prove it, just from word of mouth, we've lost a lot of fans from where I saw when I played that were coming to games that were more family oriented, um, bringing their whole families to the game has kind of subsided to this point at our, in our league. No, and like your point of view as a player is like super interesting. I think two things is on like, yeah, progressives liking the WNBA, but not necessarily doing anything about it. I yeah. think repeated exposure will matter. Like, like I found a lot of people who just never heard about the WNBA. So if you, if you somehow expose them to the information, and that's what I do in my survey, I provide information to people. And then, but like in surveys, I can only measure engagement through kicks and like, I can't measure long-term, do you go to games and like, but I do think given the impact I do see in my survey, if you, and it's only, I show them one video and a few Instagram posts, but I do think the small impact I measure, if you keep exposing them, and I don't know how, that's the thing, uh, how to reach to your rich people. But if you keep exposing them, I do, I do think those people can engage more and like from, from what people tell me and how how touched they are by what they're seeing, I do think there is enough emotional connection and progressive nowadays are looking for communities, right? And they're looking for representation and they're just happy to find it in the WNBA. So I do think there is way through repeated exposure to hopefully on the long term, bring more money, bring more viewership, bring all of that. Um, it will take time. It's not that easy, but I, I, I do think I measure like through just one video, I do measure like significant impacts. So hopefully longer term, it, it will work out. On your second point that some people, it's not what they want from the W. Um, I think we're at the point where all those fans have left. <laughs> like, I, like I'm yeah. just, if you look at how progressive the WMA fans are, and are on, so I measure on issues, what do they think about equal pay, transgender inclusion? I also measure how much they agree with heteronormative, gender equality, like how much do they agree that sex is the same as gender, stuff like that, like intersection. On those measures, WME fans are so much more aggressive than fans of other leagues that I think to your point, like at the beginning of the league, at, of the league some, some fans weren't sure what the WME was and they went into this and then they were disappointed. But I think by now everybody knows. Um, and there is, there is much less room to lose fans. Um, Thank you. Thank you. That answers my questions. Sorry, I didn't mean to take over Janice and Sabria. <laughs> you're fine. Um, no, you're fine. You're fine. Yeah, we. I know that you expressed to me that you wanted this conversation to happen, so I'm happy we were able to do it. Uh, Angie, do you still have to go? I don't want to I kick mean, you have, off, but I know. I have five minutes if you, if you have any other questions. Uh, yeah, uh, so uh, I, I find your research absolutely fascinating. Uh, do you have plans to take your research uh, or, or this body of work a step further in the future? Yeah, yeah, yes. Uh, I'd love to. I'd love to keep testing, like how, like two two different directions. I think for the WME, keep testing different messages, like keep telling like what kind of message works better on what kind of people in order to make it more concrete. Like if you want to convince people, what kind of messages work better. Um, other, the other question is the one we just talked about is longer term. Like it's fine on my, in my surveys, I measure short-term impact. I, I, I convince people, but like, how do you keep people interested and how do you keep people make them come back and actually go to games? That's a much harder question to answer, uh, cause the survey is neat. It's like stats are easy, but like longer term, it's really, it's much harder to, 
to measure, but it's also much more interesting because that's that's the actual outcome we care about. And the last question I'd be interested in pursuing is like, what about other sports? Like what, like there are things that are unique to the WNBA in my findings, but there are also other things that other sports could do and take from this model. So how ex generalizable my findings are to other sports, especially movement sports, like women's soccer is a great example in case study. So uh, thinking through this, or like those are the main things I'm thinking of um, in terms of next steps. I saw a comment from Marquita three uh, that she says, I agree with coach Melvin. I think for the most part, or for the most point, progressive are supportive of the W, but they don't go to the game or watch. And to speak from my own experience, I've always supported the W, but the thing is though, I never really attended a game until last season. Uh, so I'm not, I'm asking myself now. So what got me to attend a game? And I have to say uh, it's, it's all social. Uh, a friend of mine said, Hey, do you want to go to a WNBA game with me? And I, said, sure, I would love to. That sounds great. Uh, before then, um, just in my social circle, uh, no one really like was into going to games. Uh, no one really watched the WNBA. So it, it took that one friend to kind of pull me in. So I think even though the uh, the activism is definitely uh, appeals to me, I think on a social aspect, I think the game can definitely grow on a more grassroots level. So uh, yeah, uh, I think just from a social standpoint, uh, yeah, bring all your friends, come out to the game. It's going to be a fun time. Uh, that and the, the, the players' social media, like getting to know the player. I love basketball. I'm a basketball nerd. I love the strategy. But what really gets me into it is knowing the storylines and like knowing what's the, what the players and their their stories. Um, so I, I I also think that's key um, for sure. Just to kind of see the more relatable side to a lot of players too, uh, and I don't want. I went on a following spree this morning of all of the training camp uh, players. So uh, I just saw that uh, Annalie Maley has some really cool tattoos. Uh, so much that I posted her photo on my own Instagram story too. So all of my friends can now see her cool tattoos. So uh, yeah, it's kind of just like this grassroots kind of not only just uh, in-person social movement, but also too uh, just uh, through uh, Instagram, uh, social media platforms like Instagram, like Twitter, where we get to see uh, yeah games like, or players like, uh, yeah, uh, I'm trying to think of the most recent one I saw. Uh, yeah, Kalia Copper just uh, cracking jokes all the time and just posting all these hot takes on on Twitter, uh, like uh, on whether or not someone can have more than one best friend. That, that That's like the one from my recent memory that I can remember. Uh, but yeah, I also agree with, with Leah that Sabria is doing a great job bringing new fans out through Grow the Game too. So it's definitely also to a lot of the work done by organizations like Sabria's that that uh, really kind of give you a community to discuss WNBA basketball and really just watch games with. Oh. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> thank you again for joining us. I mean, my own personal experiences, like I, I get at least what I take from what you're saying is like, when we highlight the social movements of athletes and their identities, they get a lot of support on social media. And that is true. And I also think it's true that in at least in the circle of my closest like W friends, I think they're pretty much we're pretty much all progressive and we understand issues and support the players and the stances they take like in Texas and all of that stuff. But I think. I get what you're saying is like they get all of this support for the issues, but they really don't actually come to the games. I think if maybe a player takes a stance and they're like, 
support the cause. They will absolutely support the cause and they will open their checkbooks. But for some reason, they don't open their checkbook to buy the ticket, get in the car and go to the game. So, um, again, I don't want to keep you. So hopefully we can continue to have this conversation. The last thing I'll say is I, I think it takes it will take everything to bring those people to the games and activism will help, but it's definitely not going to be enough. And it's just one part of like people will like the WNBA better and and maybe when their friend next week asks them to go to the game, they'll remember. It's just it's a, it's part of a package and it will take everything. It, it doesn't have to be one or the other, right? It will take everything. But I, I think the main finding is like there is no risk, right? You're not you're not losing anyone. You might not be winning thousands of fans, but at least it's worth it's worth trying because <laughs> you'll you'll change minds and you won't hurt your business line and and. And in the long term, I convince some people along with their friends and social media. Uh, I think that that's the takeaway. It's it doesn't hurt. So you might as well try. It's a really interesting dissertation. But anyway, Angie, thank you for your time. And thank you for answering all of our questions and for the wonderful discussion. Thank you for having me. And have a good season. Thanks. (laughs) Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. All right. So we are almost through with the show and I'm so sad. I mean, granted, this was like a really good packed show. Um, Action packed. Yeah. A lot to talk about. Um, And again, like I love that Coach Melby can provide this perspective that we literally cannot even fathom. And so I'm really glad that you're here for this next part. Um, So we're going to go to a court of law where I like to talk about controversial issues um, centered around the players or just the league in general. And so today on the docket, we're going to talk about Brown, DeShields, and Diggins versus WNBA media. Yeah, I saw some of the tweets that uh, you posted up here. Uh, So a lot of these players seem as if Uh, So so to give you some background for the 2022 WNBA season, a fully vaccinated and boosted media will now be allowed in locker rooms post game. Uh, Masks are mandated, uh, but given uh, Skylar Diggins Smith, Diamond DeShields, uh, Lexi Brown, uh, they do not seem very thrilled with the news. So uh, from a coaching uh, and also a player's perspective, uh, Coach Melvin, uh, what is your take on this? Uh, do, do you feel as if the players deserve this piece or do you feel as if the media should have access to these players? Correct. Yeah. Don't say anything that will get you in trouble. Well, look, I'm, already not on, I'm already not on a staff, so it can't get any worse. But, you know, kudos. I, I'm glad that all the former players, I, I would like to address that too, because I still have people ask me, where are you? Are you with Phoenix? Um, so I didn't get on the staff this season, but there are a lot of former players coaching and actually in head coaching positions. So I'm super excited about that because that's something that's been far you know, needed for years. I mean, years I was trying to get in the league as a coach and to have my two years experience, I was grateful for it. And hopefully I get back in it um, sooner rather than later. But I think the media should have access. I mean, at the end of the day, um, the, the fans that we do have and just from watching sports since I was young, while following the NBA and being a fan of the sport, um, media is important. Media creates the stories and creates everything for professional sports to to go where they've gone. You know, if the NBA didn't have the media pushing behind where the NFL, you know, it's just, you know, it just it works. It, go, it coincides. I believe it, it helps. each. We help each other. 
I think it's, you know, obviously there should be, you know, some boundaries set between the media and the player. Uh, I have learned that we didn't have that back in the day, but at the end of the day, um, things have changed. Things were a little bit different, but we welcome the media. And um, like I said, you, the media for me, just personally as a player coming from one, a high school in my hometown, just what the media did for me, as far as giving me publicity and a bigger platform. So I could become well-known, you know, to get a college scholarship and do different things as I went pro. So I think the media is extremely important. I think it should uh, go both ways with the players. I mean, even from kind of like the behind the scenes perspective, I know that um, because a lot of people were saying, um, well, Heather Burns said, want the best stories told media needs access. And Skylar's response was to the locker room. Why? And so then it started becoming a conversation of, well, the Players Association and the league need to find um, a happy, you know, compromise. And so people were saying when um, we weren't able to actually attend games and media wasn't in the locker room, the compromise for that was the media room and saying, well, players can just come in the media room. Um, but I think that one, there were times when I noticed that every player, at least like I attended Sparks Media a lot. And sometimes every player didn't like no one's going to sit there for every player. And at that point, the players are like waiting in line. And so it takes longer than just people being able to walk up to whoever they want to talk to. And sometimes the player that I'm waiting to hear from isn't even picked for the media. And, and they pick it based on something, maybe like points or, or contribution, even though there's a story there that has nothing to do with the court. But now you don't even get a chance to ask that player a question because they weren't tapped for the media. And then you get another instance where I, I won't be specific about it, but that was an instance when a team refused to do media. Oh, see, see, uh-huh. see, I, see I, <laughs> I, I'm just saying, like, you, know, I, you, I, you risk that. You're, you do. And that's why I say, I, um, you know, Phoenix, obviously emotions were flying. I do you know, were um, extremely high. They were super disappointed. I was disappointed. Uh, I was in that moment, like, I'm really glad I'm not the head coach right now because I do not want to do media. But at the end of the day, um, it's it's part of the job. And I get it. Like I said, like with all the athletes coming out about mental health and mental health is a big issue. I have a lot of respect for it. Um, But there are a lot of things that people do on their jobs, whether it's corporate, whether they're on their own businesses, you have to do things that you don't particularly want to do. Like I said, I do think there should be some boundaries set. Um, Maybe players can come outside the locker room, just stand outside the locker room for a certain uh, period of time. But at the end of the day, when I played, I didn't have a problem with the media coming in, you know, other than we were ready to go and get you know, and eat and do what we wanted to do after the games. But, you know, set aside 15 minutes. People don't shower. You're standing there. People can talk to whomever they want. And when someone gets out of line or crosses those boundaries, that's when they should, you know, be removed from having their credentials and doing certain things like that. That's why I say you can put in boundaries and certain um, rules and guidelines for the media where it can uh, be a positive situation and experience for both the media and the players. But I do think it's important. Uh, that's also one of the things that Candace Dupree mentioned that uh, it's very important to uh, tell tell everyone's stories uh, and not yeah just uh, a select handful of players. I think uh, there's plenty of stories across the league. Every player has a story, I'm sure, uh, and uh, all worthy of being told. Uh, 
So, uh, yeah, there's also that to consider as well, that it's kind of difficult for the media to tell those stories if, you know, access to the players uh, just is denied like that. But I agree that there definitely needs to be a healthy medium. Boundaries need to be set. And uh, and yeah, definitely uh, reporters showing decorum when interviewing, of course. Yeah. And somebody asked in the comments, were we going to be covering um, Sky Games in person? I mean, we want to. We We want to. We hope we can. We would love to. We're going to be there anyway. Yeah, we're going to be there anyway. Uh, But yeah, I I would absolutely love to cover games in person. And I'm sure, yeah, my my wonderful co-host... Yes. We'll, we'll be there. I mean, we, we will be there regardless. So whether or not we'll be there with shiny credentials is uh, up to the Sky organization. So. Yeah. But hopefully, Coach Melvin, you can come to the alleged um, All-Star Weekend that is allegedly happening in Chicago. Um, and we could take a trip to Portillo's. But I know you want your Harold's and I know your Harold's order. So I'll have it waiting for you if you get here. <laughs> so thank you again for joining us. We love having you. Everybody, make sure you go follow Chastity Melvin on Twitter. Um, tap in one of the few, you know, legends out there that's really putting in the work to communicate with people and connecting with random fans on Twitter over Harold's and just making sure that she's available to tell her story and continue to grow the game. So thank you so much, Coach Melvin, for that. Always so supportive. Um, And thank you, everybody, for listening to today's episode of the CHGO Sky podcast. Um, Make sure you're following CHGO Sky and CHGO Sports. You could also um, follow us, too, while you're at it. Yes, follow all of us um, individually and make sure you're signed up for that new CHGO newsletter so you can tailor the content that you get. And make sure you become a member uh, to enjoy podcasts and live shows on every team every day. Post-game shows coming soon for us. Premium written content for members at allchgo.com. Dope merch for all teams, including the new Sky shirt, which is available right now today in the CHGO locker room. And you get a free shirt when you become a member. So go ahead, do all that. Tap in with us on the members only discord, also called the CHGO lounge. And we'll see you again next week. Same time, Monday, 530 central time. See you then. And thanks for listening to the CHGO sky show where we make it more fun to be a sky fan.